At Life Tree Community Church, we believe that we are the church. It's not a building, a program, or a tradition. A church is people. You and I are the church, and we have influence. We have responsibility, and we have the honor and privilege of being called God's church. Each of us is part of that church, and that includes you. All right. So I invite you to turn to Acts chapter 2 um, as we uh, continue our series uh, today on multiply and our year of multiplication. I believe, uh, is that 831? I don't know. Is that 831 in those soft Bibles? I don't know if that's it or not. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe not. It'll be on the screen as well. But if you'd like to read along, I think it's page 831. As you're turning there, I've got a question for you. Uh, listen to this and tell me if this um, sounds like you. If you can start the day without caffeine, so now 90% of you are out. But if you can start the day without caffeine, if you can always be cheerful, ignoring aches and pains, if you can resist complaining and boring people with your troubles, if you can eat the same food every day and be grateful for it, if you can understand when your loved ones are too busy to give you any time, if you can forgive a friend's lack of consideration, if you can overlook it when those you love take it out on you when, through no fault of your own, something goes wrong, if you can take criticism and blame without resentment, if you can ignore a friend's limited education and never correct them, some of you grammar police, all right, if you can resist treating a rich friend better than a poor friend, if you can face the world without lies and deceit, if you can conquer tension without medical help, if you can relax without liquor, if you can sleep without medication, if you can honestly say that deep in your heart you have no prejudice against creed or color, religion or politics, then, my friend, you are almost as good as your dog. Almost, but not quite. I'm a dog guy, not a fan of cats at all. As they say, dog, you know, you know, dogs have owners, cats have staff. Okay. Dogs are man's best friend. This is Sammy. Sammy is our dog. This is our dog. He's a rescue. He is honestly the perfect dog. If you have ever met Sammy, some of you have met Sammy, you know he is the perfect dog. He barely barks. He doesn't really need to walk much. He just sort of sits there and he is a comfort to you. Like he thinks he's a 40 pound mix. We don't know what he is. I know I think you can spend like 50 bucks at PetSmart and do the little like swab and they'll tell you what breed your dog is. Like, I don't really care. You know, he's just a cute dog. He's awesome. He's like seven or so. Um, we don't really know because he's a rescue. So we just kind of guess. Um, but he's, he's, he thinks he's a lap dog. He's not really, but he just acts as one. But he's awesome. You know, when you come home and you're having a bad day and your dog just greets you and you're like, oh, somebody likes me. Right? Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, there's just something about dogs or a pet or something that just brings you comfort. Um, he is all of those things. So sometimes, some days you just need a friend. Right? Some days you just need a friend. Um, so let me ask you this. Who's your best friend in the world? Think about it. Who's your best friend? Who knows you best? Like, who really, really knows you? Um... And then the question is this, what makes them such a good friend? Like, why? Why are they such a good friend to you? See, I'm so grateful that I get to do life with almost all of my best friends, because I just hire them. So it's kind of like a, it's a perk of, of you know, being in, in, in charge sometimes. Um, but I get to do, like, I've hired 
Kevin and Dre, who are two of my best friends in the world. Like, my best friend in the world is obviously my wife. Um, no question about that. There's no, but in terms of, like, peers and things, like, Kevin, Dre, and, uh, there's one other guy, you know, Danny, he's another, he's a third one, but he's, he's a teacher, he's not a pastor, so it's gonna be hard to fit him in here, but we're working on it. We're working on it. Uh, we'll get him here eventually. Um, actually, I'm just trying to get him to visit. <laughs> I can't even get him to visit, so maybe he's not that good of a friend, but. If you're listening, Danny, don't worry. You're great. All right. Um, but I am better because of the friendships I have in my life. The reality is that relationships are central to everything in our human existence. Right? Relationships are everything. Your house could burn down. Your cars could go away. Right? You could lose your job. You could, right? But your friends, that's what makes life. It's the relationships that you have. The past few weeks we've been discovering what's ahead in 2018 and we looked about, you know, a year of multiplication and what does that mean for us and uh, we looked into, you know, uh, that, you know, how we, how we apply that in those four layers. We talked about X factors and you know, multiplying faith in our own life and in our church, in our community and in our world and uh, we've gone through all of kind of what that means and then last week we talked about um, how in Acts it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which was the verse that we're going to read in a few minutes. Um, and they devoted themselves to teaching because it's a new world and we're new people, right? We've never been in this day before with this kind of society and with, with the knowledge that we have. And so we need to know what God thinks and how we're supposed to live today. And they were the same, so they devoted themselves to teaching because they needed new information for a new day. They needed new revelation. And, and today, we're going to talk about the next thing that, that says that they did in that, in that passage. So we're going to read that, and I'm going to ask you again just to read it with me. Okay, I know it's, maybe it's a little different for you, or maybe you like reading things together, I don't know, but we're going to read it anyway, because I think just reading it, again, the challenge is if you would like to memorize this passage this month, I think it will help you grow faith in your own life. You don't have to, but if you want to, it's great. So here we go, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, it says this, all, and you can read with me, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Next verse. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Verse 44. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Verse 45. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Last verse, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, in the few remaining minutes that we have together, I ask you to take something from this and reveal something new in this new day so that we have what we need, Lord, to live the life you've called us to live. In your name we pray. Amen. So, first they devoted themselves to teaching. The second thing they devoted themselves to was fellowship. Fellowship. Alright, it's an interesting word. It's sort of a, a church word, a religious word. It's not necessarily a word we use all the time. Like, hey, we're going to... If I, if I hear somebody use the word fellowship, I know they go to church somewhere. Right? They call it... It's a certain language. They call it Christianese. Right? It means you know how to talk Christian. Right? You use words like... 
fellowship and blessing and all this kind of all this kind of stuff. Um, so what does fellowship actually mean? Right? It means community, togetherness, partnership, um, association. The reality is it's a it's about relationship. They were in they devoted themselves to relationship with one another. See, because we are broken in relationships. The brokenness in our lives often is rooted in relationships and things that happened between us. And we are healed in relationships. The antidote to trauma and brokenness in our life is healthy relationships. See, most of what happens is, is, is around people. When the enemy wants to destroy you or attack you, he will attack your relationships. You want to know what the enemy wants to do. Num- target number one is your relationships. If he wants to get at you, he's going to try to divide and get in between you and those you care about. And here's the problem with our world. One of them. There's only one problem with our world. Um, but here's one problem with our world. Um, our world is structured to exclude people. Everything is designed to exclude, to divide, to, to put us in categories, not to unite us, but to exclude, to divide us, to separate us. And we've ex- we're accepted, right, if you meet certain economic um, criteria or if you if you're a certain political party or if you're a certain social status or educational status everyone is either excluded or isolated into these little pockets right and we divide each other um this this week i had a chance to go see a movie the greatest showman anybody get a chance to see that yet anybody see that yet all right it's a musical not my thing a lot of music in it all right but it not so bad. It was not so bad. It was, it, was, it was okay. I think we have a picture of it. Is it in there, Greatest Showman? I think it's in there, maybe down a little bit. Um, it's basically the story of P.T. Barnum who started a circus. And uh, there you go. You know, the Barnum and Bailey Circus. It's supposed to be his story, and it's, it's got all this kind of stuff in there. Um, and the thing about Barnum, as they, at least as, as the movie portrays, I have no idea if this is true or not. I'm just telling you the movie. Um, he was constantly struggling with the desire to prove himself to other people, to prove that he belonged. Because he was a kid that came from nothing. And so he was constantly trying to prove to people that I belong here, and I'm somebody, and I'm something, and my life is valuable. And that he was trying to, trying to belong and find a place where he belonged. And we... Listen, you may or may not admit this, and it's okay, but the truth is it's every one of us, that we are hardwired with the need to be accepted. Guilty. I want to be accepted. I want people to like me, right? I may not give it off. I probably don't. I'm an introvert. I probably give off the vibe that I really don't care what you think of me, okay? That if you like me, great. If not, okay, I'm good, Right? Some of you are like that. Some of you have that sort of rough exterior where you don't need people. But the truth is that deep down, all of us need acceptance at some level. The early church was no different. In this new world of faith, in this story in Acts, right? There, there, there's this community of people that they're finding Jesus and something is different with them. And now, all of a sudden, the first thing that they face is rejection. Rejection by family, rejection by friends, rejection by their community. The Jewish community says, what are you doing? This is not our faith. 
This is, this is, this is heresy. This is rebellion. This is something else. Jesus isn't real. And, but because of who they are as new people, they're being rejected by many people. So naturally what happened is they gravitated toward each other. It brought them to each other. It brought them together. And what happened next literally changed the world. They created this revolutionary community called the church. The church wasn't a building. It wasn't a structure. It wasn't a, an organization. What it was was people who got together to learn and to devote themselves to relationship, to be in relationship with each other. And here's the truth. They devoted themselves to fellowship, and fellowship is the highest form of relationship. We are in relationship with lots of different people. There's a, there's a simple little phrase that the conversation is the relationship. I've may have, you may have heard me say this before. You go to ShopRite and you're talking to the cashier. You have some sort of relationship. The relationship is, how much do I owe? Right? But you, but you have a conversation. So the conversation defines the, the level of your relationship. It's very surface. It's just transactional. But you have some sort of relationship because the conversation is the relationship. Right? If you're at work and you talk to this person every time about the weather, right? Or if you talk about, oh, I talk to them about the Knicks, right? I, and we, we moan and we whine about the Knicks. Okay, so then you go, but that, that defines your relationship. It doesn't matter what the titles are. It doesn't matter if it's boss, employee, or, you know, coworker. There are, you could have two coworkers here or two coworkers here, and these two coworkers know each other much better because they talk about much deeper things, and all these people talk about is financial reports. It's just transactional. The conversation is the relationship, but fellow, so there's different levels of relationship, but fellowship is the highest form of relationship. And we're going to talk about why. See, because fellowship says this, it says, it says, whenever you need me, it says, whatever you need, from me. It says, however you need it, I'm with you. It fully embraces this concept of family. Fellowship means my arms are wide open. It is the epitome of inclusion. See, in a world that excludes, the church is an inclusive community. Arms wide open to all. Because our faith unites us. And here's the thing that unites us most of all. It's called a, one, one theologian called it a common negative. Right? I didn't know what that meant, so it's okay if you don't either. It was, his name was Karl Barth, and he said this, Bart, he said this, Genuine fellowship is grounded upon a common negative. It is grounded upon what we lack. Precisely when we realize that we are sinners, do we perceive that we are brothers and sisters. See, what binds us together more than anything else, it's not just our common likes or dislikes or our geography or our job or our relationship or our last name. What binds us more than anything is our understanding that we need Jesus. And when you have that common need, when you understand that we are broken people, it's called humility. Humility is actually just seeing things clearly. See, anybody who has hierarchy is not humble because they do not see themselves clearly. They think I am better than somebody else and somebody or somebody else is better than me. And that's not humility. Humility is seeing things clearly. 
And the reality is that in the beginning of the church, it became an inclusive community that said this, everybody has a seat at the table. Everybody. All abilities, all ages, all colors, all nationalities, male, female, regardless of economic status. Here's the question, who is my neighbor? Right? And Jesus said, yes. That was the answer. We need each other. Go back to the story of creation. Adam is walking with God. Life is perfect. And the first time we read in Scripture that God calls something not good, God says it is not good for man to be alone. Counselors, uh, Hawkins and Clinton say this, it's a stunning fact that even with a perfect relationship with God, something was missing. Think about that. Adam is walking in perfect relationship with God, and God still says it's not good. There needs to be relationship. We are created for relationship. We need it. Fellowship. Pastor Dre was saying this, you know, it comes from the word, they're fellows in a ship. Right? It's, we are, we are together on this. Somebody said this, when I became a Christian, I found the boat on which I thought I was alone to be very crowded. Right? I, I thought I was walking through life alone and all of a sudden I realized there's all these people here that are willing to do life with me. Fellows in my ship, I am not alone on this boat. There are people all around us that God has put in our lives for our good because we need them. When we become new people because of a relationship with God, we are also welcomed into an entirely new fraternity. In a new day, as new people, we need others who are also being made new to walk with us. I, I, listen, I don't care how long you've known somebody. You will always have more in common with somebody who has faith than somebody who doesn't. There's no way around it. Because faith is the common negative. It gives us the greatest understanding of who we are at our essence. There's something unique about the church. I love this story. In 1967, at the Southern Baptist Convention, a woman by the name of Gert Bahana detailed her life as an alcoholic and her subsequent coming to faith in Christ and how he changed her life. And when she finished, they gave her a standing ovation. It was like this amazing story of transformation. She returned to the microphone and said, Now you know that you are not applauding an old drunk like me. She said, That's just the Jesus in you meeting the Jesus in me. Let's give him both a hand. Right? Come on. See, that is fellowship. It's the Jesus in you meeting the Jesus in me. It's the need in you meeting the need. It's uncommon. It's uncommon. It's unlike any other community of people. Honestly, the best, the best substitute for church is a bar. It's cheers. Where everybody knows your name. And guess what? In a bar, everybody's broken and they know it. They just have no hope for anything else. It's a substitute. It's close, but it's not the same thing. There is nothing like understanding what Jesus does for us. Not only are we welcomed in, but then now we have the privilege of welcoming others into this holy family. So the... So what? So what? Here's the so what. How you treat others is evidence of what God is doing in you. How do you relate to others? The way you treat me 
is evidence of what God is doing in you. And how I treat you is evidence of what God is doing in me. We all need work. Let's just put it right. Come on. We all need it. Right. None of us get relationships right. We all blow it, but we all need it. They're messy. I'm an introvert. It's much easier to stay in my box and just say, I don't want to. I don't. I'll have a few friends and everybody else. Hey, go find your own because I don't want the mess. I don't want to deal with it. But what God has called us to is to relationship because it's not good to be alone. Two brothers worked on a family farm. One was unmarried, one was married with children. They shared what they grew equally as they grew and always did. Produce, profit, didn't matter. But one day the single brother said to himself, you know, it's not right that we should share the produce and the product and the profit too. After all, I'm alone just by myself and my needs are simple. But my brother is married as children. His needs are so much more. So in the middle of the night, he took a sack of grain from his bin crept over the field between their houses and dumped it in his brother's bin. Meanwhile, unknown to him, his brother had the same thought. And he said to himself, it's not right that we should share produce and profit equally. After all, I'm married. I have my wife to look after me and my children for the years to come. My brother has no one to care for him in his future. So he too, in the middle of the night, took a sack of grain from his bin, snuck across the field and deposited in his brother's. And both were puzzled for years as to why their supplies never dwindled. Well, one night it just so happened that they both set out for each other's houses at the same time. And in the dark, they bumped into each other carrying the sacks. Each was startled, but then it slowly dawned on them what was happening. They dropped their sacks and embraced one another. And suddenly the dark sky lit up and a voice from heaven spoke and said, Here at last is the place where I'm going to build my church. For where brothers meet in love. There my presence will be. See, what people commit to each other. Again, going back to that movie, The Greatest Showman. It was interesting to me, this story, because it was about finding people that were excluded, that were outcasts, that were overlooked, that were marginalized. And Barnum said, you know what, I'm going to give you a platform. But what he probably unintentionally created was a family. He didn't, he didn't realize it. And when people who were committed to each other, who recognized their common brokenness, what they were able to accomplish was extraordinary. Hey, welcome to church. You're looking for a perfect church, right? Keep walking. Not going to find one because they're filled with people. Because we're broken people. People always want to say, you know, people in your church, they don't always, they don't, you need to talk to them because sometimes they don't do things right. And I go, oh, really? Yeah, they're breathing. You know, welcome to the club, right? We're filled with broken people. That's our common need. When we come together in that and we acknowledge that, that guess what? God can do something extraordinary through us. This small group of people devoted themselves to learning about God and life, and they did it together. The early church, they said, listen, we're going to come and I'm going to learn about God because it's a new day and I've never been here before. But guess what? I can't do it alone. I need encouragement along the way. How many of you, you just need a friend? You need somebody to walk through life with to say, I believe in you. 
Not only did they commit to fellowship, but they also committed to food. See, because food in that culture, eating together, wasn't just something you could do with anybody. If you ate with somebody, what you were saying is, I accept you for who you are, right? That you are okay, I acknowledge you, right? I'm committing to you. It was relationship, that we're all good. If you actually had, like, any issue with somebody, but you shared communion, you couldn't talk about it anymore because you had already said it's good, it's over, it's in, it's in the sea, I forget it. You can't, so they wouldn't even eat with somebody that they didn't get along with. Won't do it because it meant something. So when it says these people, not only did they gather for fellowship, but they gathered for community to eat. They shared meals because they said we accept each other for who you are at a very deep level. We are a new people. See, communion is confirmation of a relationship. Fellowship is the highest form of relationship and communion is just confirmation of that relationship. And two relationships, two levels. One, it affirms a relationship with God. That if I'm in relationship with God, right, I believe he is who he says he is. I believe he is alive and I have relationship with him. I believe he is coming again. I believe heaven awaits and one day we're going to eat this together. I'm telling you, food in heaven is going to be great. It's going to be good. It's going to be better than Big Macs. Better than Papa's, I don't know how, but it's going to be better than cannolis from Dolce's, I don't know how. It's going to be good. But it also says I'm in, communi- I'm in relationship with each other. When we have communion, you're saying, listen, all these knuckleheads in here, we're together in this. We've got to do it with our eyes wide open. Right? I accept you, I commit to you. In our church, we make four commitments. I'm going to invite the ushers to to prepare for communion. We're going, to do, we're going to do communion in just a minute. So they're just going to prepare us and uh, they, can, they can come when they're ready. But in our church, we make four commitments to each other. If you've been through our discovery course, you've heard this. If you've been through membership, and you've heard this. But here are the four commitments. One is this. I'm going to believe the best in you. I'm going to believe the best in you. I'm, I'm not going to assume the worst in you. I'm going to believe the best. I'm going to believe that your motives are good. I'm going to believe, right? I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. It also means that I'm going to believe the best in you. That there are times I'm going to say to you, you're better than that. Maybe I believe in you more than you believe in you. The second thing is this, I'm not going to give up on you. I won't give up on you because guess what? I'm going to make mistakes. And I'm going to need you to forgive me and believe in me and not give up on me. And I'm going to extend that right back to you. Third, it's going to say, listen, I'm going to give you what I have. They shared everything. They sold property. Nobody in their congregation had needs. What if we lived that way? To me, Success for our church is when our community has no more needs. The day there are no more needs in Robbinsville is the day we're done. So we're still a work in progress because we got to keep working. I will give you what I have to give. And finally, I'm going to go with you. Presence. I promise you, I will do it personally. I'm with you. 
I'm going to believe the best in you. I'm not going to give up on you. I'm going to give you what I have. And I'm going to do it with you. I'll go with you. Those are the four commitments we make. It's relationship, communion. It's confirmation of the highest form of relationship. So the question for us this morning is this. Are we devoted to real fellowship? Do we just come and attend or are we truly willing to courageously look around and have relationship with each other? So what does relationship, what does fellowship look like today? Well, one looks like investing in real relationships with each other. Not just sitting in seats. And it looks like being the church. So here's my... I'm just going to skip to the end because of time. i got one, one challenge for you. Here's your one challenge. Ready? Here's how you can put fellowship to practice this week. Before you leave today, I would like you to schedule dinner with somebody else in the church. Eat together. That's it. It could be lunch. It could be somebody today you want to go out after church. I don't care. But somebody who you may not usually... Or maybe you haven't before. I don't know. I mean, if you constantly get together with people, don't do that. That's not the same. I'm saying you can keep doing that, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about committing to fellowship. It doesn't have to be today, but schedule it. Look around. Say, you know what? I'm going to take you out for dinner. Or you can come over to my house for dinner. I'm just going to ask you how you're doing. And that's it. No agenda. No Bible studies. Right? Just, just eat together. I just want to encourage you today. Have dinner or lunch with somebody. Don't leave without finding somebody to say, hey, let's get a date on the calendar. Or at least give us, give me your number and we'll work it out. Take a step towards that today. It's just uh, ushers, you can come when you're ready. And uh, I'll pray and then, then we'll close our, our time. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your provision in our life. Lord, even in returning to you a portion of our income, what we're saying is that we trust you to be the provider. We have relationship with you, and you're not just you're not just a God of the past, but you're very much alive today, and you continue to be the source of all provision in our lives, and we give it back to you, knowing that we can't outgive you. Lord, we think we're coming over with a bag of grain to give it to you and you're giving us a hundred back we'd never understand God we can't outgive you so let us be generous let us be generous we give to you do something in our hearts I thank you God for the fellowship that you have given to us for the friends that we have to do life with we commit this day to you it's in your name we pray Amen Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message. For more information about Life Tree, please check us out online at lifetreecc.com.